Hey guys, we are so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. I'm Kara Goss, online registered dietitian and health and fitness coach. And I'm Kylie Kaiser, online health and fitness coach, and we're your hosts. This podcast is all about improving yourself physically and mentally. And y'all, neither of those things can be improved with a quick fix. We are here to be real with you about your fitness and fat loss goals, your health, your mindset, and everything in between. If you're ready to open your mind to the process that self-improvement requires, instead of always looking for the next quick fix, then this is your podcast. Let's get started. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. It's your girls, Kara and Kylie, back with episode 119 this week for y'all. Kylie, how we doing today? I am a sleepy girl today. Sleepy girl today. What's new? What is new? Did we think anything was going to change in 2024? No, we did not. Um, well, yes, my relationship status. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was uh, that was only uh, two two episodes ago that we talked about you having a boyfriend and now yeah sorry guys I hard launched my relationship and then I ended it too and y'all. then she ended it so you know what uh, our our what what did we ever decide we're calling our fans we said not the quickies not the quickies not your quickies or something like that the quickies that's not it whatever no. whatever whatever we call y'all though I trust you guys and I feel like you guys always deserve the hot goss so they do deserve the if hot you ever goss. did we ever say this already if you ever had your own like pop culture podcast it should be the hot goss yes we've absolutely said that okay, and that. you should patent that just in case well I, I've told you the story about gossip goss right no okay that's exclusive right now <laughs> this might be a podcast exclusive so, okay, long story short, I have definitely told you the story and I'm not going to get, I, there are some more like details of it that I'm going to tell you offline, but I'll tell you the gist <laughs> of it on this podcast. Maybe, maybe once I'm in, maybe when I'm in Austin, me and Kylie will uh, record an episode of Responsibly Unhinged. And I'll Dude, I was going to ask, I was about to pressure you on this and be like, audience, do you guys want Kara back on my podcast? Yes. Kind of, you would be my third time guest. <laughs> Bitch, it's always me. You already know. You already know. Call but that so- episode the hot goss. The hot goss. Absolutely. Or the gossip goss. <laughs> Anyways, sure. Anyways, um, my senior year of high school, my um ex-boyfriend who cheated on me and I broke up with him, um, somehow then hated me afterward. And he made a fake Twitter account of me and it was called gossip goss oh my god why? you were like the gossip girl but it wasn't you yes why anyone would believe that it was actually me like no one believed that it was actually me but basically he made this fake twitter account called up gossip goss and then he posted like all of this like really like he posted like a bunch of things that were one personal or making it seem like I was talking about other people and being mean about other people. Like he basically tweeted mean things about like everybody in my grade, but then he would also tweet like some different personal things about me, like really personal things that I did not want people knowing. Like he put out there into the world. When I tell you him and this other girl in my grade, which I didn't, I, I had nothing. Like when I tell you, and I'm not one of those people who was, who's being like, oh, I was nice to everyone and everyone loved me whenever I was actually a bitch. Like, no, I was legitimately 
nice to everyone. Like I did not. Sure, have, I was cherished and loved. I was all. cherished and loved. Like I didn't have beef with people. <laughs> I stayed in my own lane. I stayed in my You're own. Not really group. a beefing type person. I'm not a beefing type person. And yeah, this this other girl just got in on it. I think she probably like had a crush on him or whatever and like wanted him to think she was cool but it was a whole thing and I will never when I tell you I will never forget I worked at um a a hoagie company shout out to all of my people listening from Tyron PA Mariana's hoagies y'all know and me and my best friend Alex who is still my best friend to this day I we worked there together after school senior year and I will never forget going to the bathroom and opening up my phone to literally like 47 texts like 13 missed calls and one of them was from a guy that like I was like why is he calling me like what's going on I have a voice memo from him I play the voice memo he goes Goss don't worry we all got your back like we know that this is BS and I'm like what and then I open the text and it's all these all these text messages of this Twitter account and I was like what's going on I literally went to my boss and I was like I need to go home (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was freaking out. And you know, you know me, who is the Enneagram one of all Enneagram ones. And I'm like, oh my God, my reputation. I'm being demoralized. Oh, everyone's going to hate me. Oh my God. The so, way yeah. that the Miss Americana plot line spoke to you so deeply. <laughs> Swear to God. Like it was, it was insane. So yeah, that, that bitch just... got to be a one. Dude, she absolutely has to be. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so that was Gossip Goss. And so now still to this day, like it'll be brought up like, hey, remember Gossip Goss? <laughs> I'm changing your name on my phone today. Oh, and you know what the ultimate flex was too? Please do. The ultimate flex was that he, for some reason, like thought that I was going to turn him into the um school dean. Or I like, would have. And I was just like, whatever. Like, I didn't really care. He yeah. ended up turning himself in. So the next day he ended up turning himself in the next day I get called up to the office. Everyone knows, like everyone knows what it's for. And he is sitting there like with just the most like sunken look on his face. And my Dean says to me, he goes, so-and-so has something to say to you. You can either listen to his apology or you can just walk out the door right now. And I was like, I'm leaving baby. Oh, what a sleigh. It was so funny. Um, my curious ass would have to sit there just to listen to him give me a stupid ass apology. <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't take any more of his BS. But yes, yeah, so uh, that was probably like one of the one of the like craziest things that ever happened to me in in high school. It was a wild time. That's wild. so yeah. You just got the hot goss. The hot goss from gossip <laughs> goss herself. From gossip goss herself. Well, Kylie, what is your hot goss? Any news? Any updates from this weekend? This weekend, what did I do other than break up with my boyfriend? Literally Uh, other than break up with your boyfriend. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was my hot goss. Um, I did a show. Listen to Responsibly Unhinged. Yeah. Well, it'll be a while for that because we know I put... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But same thing. I literally... The last episode I put out has been a couple weeks, but that's the first episode I mentioned having a boyfriend in too. And I'm going to be like, JK. And I oop and I oop. Here Um, we are. I did a show. I only had one show last weekend, um, but it was fun. I did this show. It's called The Catholics of Comedy. That's so um, funny. So it's everyone that either uh, grew up Catholic or is or was Catholic or um, has some kind of like Catholic like background. And so I was on it just from growing up in my super Catholic town. I totally um, could have been on it. I went to a Catholic school. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You didn't have to do that. Like we all kind of like ripped a little bit of Catholic material, but otherwise we just did our sets, but it was just like, that was the theme. Yeah. Um, 
So I did that one and I did it at a room that I've, I've done a lot of mics at, but it was the first like show I was booked on there. So that was cool. Cool, cool. Um, but other than that, I was just like finally getting over being sick. Like I feel like Friday, I just finished my antibiotic yesterday. I'm still a little scratchy and coffee, but in my nose still runs, but I'm like feeling way better. Um, so that's yeah. been good. And then, uh, yeah, I finally got back to work, um, did an open mic this week and did a bunch of new stuff that I wrote. So that was fun. Um, went to top golf last night for the first time since we all went. Oh, oh, Hey mate, we might have to uh, do that again. Right. Let me there. Um, it was fun. Yeah, we did that. Um, and then I do have, um, I have a show tonight and some things going on. So yeah. And just, uh, just the norm other than, you know, me just doing my thing over here. Doing her thing. You already know. What's the hot the hot goss is that I am so deep into Akatar and Fantasy Girl Land. I can't even tell you. Like oh, I, I did never order the book Kara recommended to me. So I'm so excited for you to start. Please, you're gonna want to order the next four immediately after you finish this one. Okay. Like when I tell you, I have never been so infatuated with books like like Iron Flame and Akatar and stuff. And now I'm like, I think I'm gonna go down a deep fantasy smut rabbit hole honestly and I love this for me my sister and my friend Sean's wife told me that with the this book I just got the one that you told me to Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna want to read the sister series yes so Sarah so the author is Sarah J Moss yes Crescent City and then one of them has like nine books though no so that's the whole that's the whole um like Sarah J Moss series. So Crescent City, I believe, has three. So Akatar has five. Crescent City has three. And then what is the other one? Hold on, I'm Googling. Sarah Heart of Thorns and Roses. That's the one that I'm reading now. That's the one that has five. So uh, a, quarter of, a Quarter of Thorns. Huh? Is that like what that series is called though? Yes, A Quarter of Thorns and Roses has five. Crescent City has three. And then there is another series. Um, she told me it. What is it? Uh, Throne of Glass. Throne of Glass. Yeah, oh, Throne of and Glass. you are right. It might. That's have. what I was going to say. She told me it has nine books. Holy. That's why I went. So I didn't realize. I it has eight. These, it has eight. I forgot that these were all connected. So when my sister told me about this at Christmas, she was bringing up Crescent City and was telling me gotcha. about and then she was like well she was kind of explaining but I think I just only retained half the material of what she was saying honestly because she was like telling me that she was like they're so good but you have to read it and then she was like but one of them has like nine books and I just like I feel like I just she went to peanuts gang when I said nine books like it was just like I heard just like wah, wah, wah. like I was like I'm not reading yeah it, you know? yeah like, yeah because it's just like I, I have to like it's like to me I'm just like that's gonna have to be like so good for me to want to invest nine books into like a three book trilogy I can like I know I can do that I feel um, that I feel that so but then Sean's wife was telling me that you don't have to you don't, you don't have, have to read to read them and that they're not like connected they're just like the same universe so they're, like connected but it's not like the plots don't not make sense if you don't read the other ones so yes so each okay so crescent city iron flame or yeah iron flame crescent city <laughs> throne of glass and Agatar, they are each their own series but it's kind of like the marvel universe where it's like they are connected Akatar's part of it 
Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a TikTok because I literally have this TikTok that explains the entire Sarah J Mass universe. And it explains Akatar, Crescent City, and then Iron Glass. It tells you what order to read them in. But again, you're, those- you're still like mixing all the titles up. You said Iron Glass. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what i'm talking about but each of these three series they are part of the universe and they are connected but each of the three series is their own storyline so you can read them all separately without akatar the court of throne and roses one then yes yes okay that's the same that's why you're confusing me i was like why is there this fourth one yes akatar is a court of thorns and roses (laughs) okay got it Oh, that's the, it's the acronym for it. Yes. <laughs> okay. I haven't read these yet. So ACOTAR sounds like a fucking fantasy land. No, you read no, that, right? totally, totally, totally. That makes so much sense. Okay. Yes, yes, Okay. Yes. That like, that's what's confusing me this whole, since the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> I was like, everyone was listening to this book. is like screaming into the phone right now. Like, do you understand these things? Oh my <laughs> Yeah. God. We're like when Shannon always talks about the whole audience is like at home being like, you dumb bitch. This really, guys. Okay, we're here. We're back. We're anyways. Anyways, how to lose thirty pounds? Let's go. Literally, (laughs) first read a quarter of thorns and roses. Second, we are here to teach you how to lose thirty pounds this year. So, if you got through that first ten minutes, thank you for being here. I feel like I say that every week. Literally, you know what? It's just to be expected. But you guys, how to drop thirty pounds this year, or what we would do to drop thirty pounds? We really wanted to give you guys a step-by-step breakdown of how to reach your weight loss goals this year and exactly what it would look like if you were to do this. Um, And I feel like people are always asking and kind of like grasping for information like this and they really don't know where to start. So that's why we really wanted to break it down for y'all. So this is going to be a really good um, just resource for you guys to have to be able to come back to and make sure that you are on the right track whenever it comes to your health and fitness goals and your weight loss goals, you know? And again, we like this, this is particularly for weight loss, but again, like planning your goals like this and like structuring your goals like this, again, this goes for so many different goals, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that a lot of people get confused about like, you know, pulling calories away, taking diet breaks, refeeds, what to have in place prior to a fat loss phase and everything of that sort. So that is what we're going to get into here today. So the yeah, very- And I have a fun announcement for this with our listeners. I can use you guys as my accountability. Love. I know I've been joking that I have no desire to enter a deficit, which I'm not still like entering a deficit, but I have set like a weight loss-based goal for this uh, beginning of the year. So I'm excited for you. Yeah, so me getting to like re-talk about all this is relevant. I guess she'll care. I just put scale batteries back in. So love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So making sure um, as I have been in this place where you start out is making sure you have not already been dieting this whole time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which again, I feel like Kylie for you, like you've pretty much been eating around maintenance probably. Yeah. Actually, when I put the scale batteries in, I was pretty pleased about it. Cause like I weighed myself, it was like 6 PM last night after I, you know, had a day. So I knew it wasn't gonna be accurate. I was just curious cause I hadn't weighed in so long. And yeah. even that weight was still like right within the five pounds of the last time I weighed myself literally yep. ages ago. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And that's also really cool. And just speaks to like how easily you have been able to maintain your body weight, which is really, really cool. And I think that like, I know the body, and that's also something I think for the audience to remember, like I am aware because like saying that and then being like, Oh, I want to change things. Like 
my body comp I know has changed for sure because like I've been very transparent on here. My exercise habits have been totally different, but with like just walking and eating habits and like those basic habits, it's kept that set point of like my overall body weight solid. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, like Kylie said, the very first place that we want to start is ensuring that we have not been dieting for at least, at least six to eight months, if not a year. If you are somebody who has never taken the time to move out of a calorie deficit and eat at maintenance and actually fill your body properly, that is the first place that you need to start. So if you've been yo-yo dieting, if you've been under eating, whatever it may be, you are not going to be in a solid place to start an actual fat loss phase this year. You have to spend, well, I don't even want to say this year, but like right now, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to spend enough time building up that caloric maintenance and making sure that we're in a good place metabolically, calorically, hormonally to enter into that fat loss phase. So what I would do to kind of like assess this is, Obviously, number one, we need to start tracking our intake if we are not already to ensure that we're actually eating at maintenance. And there's a few ways that we can go about this. And I think that also people get really confused about like, how do I even know that I'm at maintenance? You know what I mean? Like this can be really confusing when you're not working with a coach. And I want to just say too, if you're somebody who's sitting here thinking about like, oh, I've definitely not been dieting. This is the, the reason this is so important is because I think sometimes, and we've addressed this on past episodes, but you know, I never know who's been listening to what. So you can be in a deficit without it being to your knowledge. That's actually probably the majority of our clientele, or at least how it always was with me, people that came to me. So like you, for example, even for myself, having stayed at this, like, quote unquote, like probably in my maintenance, I actually know just based on my history of eating that I'm, I'm definitely still eating below maintenance, which is just like my body's probably just adapted a little bit to a different maintenance, but also it's changed because my activity level is different. All that factors in. Right. But we're not just speaking to that. You've been like actively pursuing weight loss. And I think a lot of people assume that when we say dieting quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So that's why double checking where you're at and tracking, like how you've been eating is so important because you could unknowingly be in a deficit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point to make. And that's why we use tracking as a tool, you know, because I can't tell you the amount of times when I have clients come to me and they fill out their new client assessment form and they're like, oh, I've been eating, you know, 1800 calories a day. And then I have them actually track their intake and they're at like 13, 1400 calories a day, you Mm -hmm. know, so Something super important to note there. But, you know, to kind of figure out your maintenance, there's a few ways that we can go about this. One, you can always use a an equation. So a lot of times, like whenever I was first starting out calculating, and I know you too, Kylie, like we would mm-hmm. use the Mifflin-St-Jour equation to calculate your maintenance calories. And basically that'll give you a good understanding of like where calories should be at. You'll use that equation plus an activity factor. And yeah. then what you would do is you would track your intake, your normal intake, don't change anything your normal intake for a few days and see if you're meeting that. If not, like if you're under it, we want to gradually work up to it. And if we are over it, then obviously we know we've probably been eating in a calorie deficit or in a calorie surplus and we can start, you know, lowering that down. Um, But it's also really important to remember that like an equation can be finicky and it's only going to give us, it's a, it's only going to show us so much because an equation is not taking into consideration like 
all of these other factors Mm -hmm. that influence, you know, body composition and energy (laughs) expenditure and your overall lifestyle. So it definitely doesn't tell us everything. So take it with a grain of salt. And we definitely need to look at like biofeedback too. Like I'll, I'm thinking of this specifically for like my much more overweight and obese clients, Mm -hmm. like using this calculation. It's going to give you very high calories. Yeah. It's like, it might give you like 3,500 calories, you know what I mean? Which we probably don't need to be eating that much, right? Yeah. So So that's where it can definitely, you know, obviously working with a coach is useful, but if you want to just get an idea whenever you're looking at this too, it's also important to be very honest, which first of all, too, in case we said Mifflin St. Jor and your brain just went WTF, um, you could just Google that and it'll show you the calculator. I personally really like, I think the the interface on the Omni one is very user-friendly. That's the one I like the most. I always, it's like you scroll down a couple, but I think it's like the most user-friendly, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I've liked um, when I was, like I said, initially using it with clients, um, the calculations seem to be the least bizarre as far as activity factor. Um, yes. Yep. But the other part of that too, when you guys are doing that, this is hard for a lot of people, um, I think, but you have to be really honest with yourself about your activity factor. Um, but also understanding that like for most people, you're probably, your activity is probably lower than you perceive it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I like to factor in because a lot of times these calculators are going to ask you like how often you're exercising per week. But your activity factor should include like your daily activity as well. So if you're only training twice a week, but you're someone who is on your feet 12 hours of the day because of your job, that is going to balance out to maybe, you know, extra quote unquote workout days, activity factor wise. If you're training twice a week, but you sit at a desk the whole other time and your steps are like 2000 a day, that you know, or something like that. Same thing. If you're training, I guess that would be better to say like you're training four or five times a week, but you're literally not getting any other movement. I wouldn't put your activity factor as training five times a week. It's thinking about this and like, you know, kind of like the whole picture. And I think a lot of people get confused on that because they'll look at their specific workouts or a lot of them will go in and like, you're just starting out. So maybe you're not working out at all. So you're like, Oh, I'm totally sedentary, but maybe you're someone who you're not working out at all, but you're like me right now, the last few months, and you've been getting 10,000 steps a day. That's not a zero on the sedentary scale. Right. Right. um, That's again, we're just like working with a professional, like we do that for you to like help make sure like we assess those things. But if you're looking at that for yourself, kind of think of your activity as the whole picture. And that's really important to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's such a good point because I do think that a lot of people will say, oh, I only work out like three times per week or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're somebody who has even like a more sedentary lifestyle or like you're a server, whatever it may be, you're on your feet, you're a nurse, who knows, like all of those things um, play a really big role. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely huge. And then, you know, another way that you can go about figuring out maintenance is So by assessing whether or not like you've been losing, gaining, or maintaining. So have you been Mm -hmm. losing weight? Have you been gaining weight? Or have you been maintaining weight? And then track your calorie intake to assess from there. So if you've been losing weight, where you've currently been eating and what you've currently tracked is probably in a deficit. If you've been Mm -hmm. gaining weight, then obviously you've probably been eating in a surplus. And if you've been maintaining, then where you're currently eating is probably around maintenance, right? And here's the thing though, just like we talked about, you know, too, like at times whenever we are, you know, chronically under eating and we've never actually taken the time to work our calorie intake up 
a lot of times for a lot of women, their maintenance calories might be really low at the time because they have not taken the time to reverse diet and find a new, more optimal maintenance. For mm -hmm. most women, their maintenance mm -hmm. calories should be at least around like 1,900 to 2,000 and above. For most. Now, not all. I definitely mm -hmm. will say that I definitely have some short, short clients who it's like their maintenance is usually around like 1,800. But even mm -hmm. 1,800 feels so high for some women. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So like, especially those women who have been eating like 1,100, 1,200 calories. So yeah. understand that like you should be able to work your calories up to at least around like that 18, 1900, preferably 2000 plus mark, um, mm -hmm. and be able to maintain that, you know, and yeah. it's, that's going to take time in itself. Right. Like, and, and your, your metabolism adapts and your body adapts and things change. Like what you, you know, like what my maintenance once was prior to me, like losing however much weight, it's not the same as it is now, you know? And so like that maintenance is going to change over time too. So again, like, this is where it, the beauty of working with a coach comes into play because you don't really have to figure this stuff out on your own. That coach is figuring it out. It's we are reading your biofeedback and we're helping you through. Yeah, you know? because I think another place people tend to go wrong with this, and you mentioned this just very um like casually because we we work with people with this all the time. But when Kara mentioned like you want to gradually work up if you find you're not there, that is like a huge keyword. Cause I think that's another place that these calculations tend to mess people up is like they go in with the right intention and someone who maybe is eating 1600 calories, maybe their actual correct maintenance should be like 2,500 or 2,300. And they've never had any education or worked with a coach or anything. And they just try to go from that 1600 to that 2,300 yep. and then notice a rapid weight gain, or yep. they notice all this digestive upset and all of these things, or they increase their calories like that, but which I'm sure we will get to, um, you know, they don't change their protein intake and then they're not gaining the weight, like in the way they want. Like, so all of that is really important to just stay again, working with someone can be really useful, but also um, listening to the not your perfect podcast to learn how to do this, uh, in the best way you can on your own is just, you know, making sure that that gradually is taken into account. Like we don't just want to jump up. And that's also why so many people don't see results when they use online cap online calculators solely. Yep. Yep. I fully agree with you there. And yeah, it is definitely not advised to make that huge jump from that low calorie amount to that high calorie amount. So that's the beauty of, and I think too, like I, I will get a lot of questions about like, oh, like what calculator do you use to calculate needs and stuff? Like I, I don't use calculators right. anymore, anymore. Right. Like when I very, very first started out, yes, but like, I don't use calculators because ultimately like it's simply just giving me a number. Whereas I'm looking at my clients biofeedback and their mm -hmm. progress every week. And I'm making adjustments based off of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's super important for sure. Um, and of course, like once we have, you know, set in stone that, okay, we've been eating at maintenance for a long enough amount of time, then of course we want to make sure that hormone health is in a good place. So we want to dive into things that are going to impact our body's ability to lose weight. So we're looking at thyroid health. We're getting a full thyroid panel done. We're looking at TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3. Um, because again, like remember there are specific hormones, especially related to thyroid that can make it a lot more difficult to 
to lose weight whenever they are elevated, like that reverse T3, if we are not converting enough of our inactive thyroid hormone T4 to our active thyroid hormone T3, and it's uh, going down a different pathway to reverse T3, that reverse T3 kind of acts like the quote unquote breaks for our metabolism making it a little bit more difficult for us to lose that weight. Um, mm-hmm. And we can also look at things like cortisol. Is our cortisol super high? Are we really stressed out right now? Is a diet going to make that worse? Is a fat loss phase going to make that worse? Where are our sex hormones at? Are our sex hormones super tanked? Do we have an irregular menstrual cycle? Which again, a diet could make worse because we are not fueling our body properly. Getting a proper menstrual cycle, a regular menstrual cycle is a very calorically expensive process. So again, making sure that we are looking at hormones. And again, I'm not going to dive too deep into that because like we have gone on countless episodes to talk about hormone health. And we always discuss the comprehensive weight loss panel with you guys that we suggest getting up front. That's going to kind of give you guys all of the, all of the items that you need to know whenever it comes to hormone health. Um, I think another really big one that people do not think about before going into a diet is Mm -hmm. their relationship with food. Like if you have a poor relationship with food and if you are going into a dieting phase, thinking, I hate my body. I just want to lose the weight. Like, I don't care how I go about this. I just need to look different. And you fear food. You think you have to completely cut carbs and food is the devil, whatever it may be. It's going to be really difficult for you to create sustainable results for yourself because you are always going to have this tumultuous relationship with food and you're always going to come at it from a super restrictive mindset rather than a mindset of, okay, I am changing myself out of a place of self-growth, out of a place of self-love, and I can keep a neutral relationship during this diet. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's hard to keep a neutral relationship with food during a diet when those hunger levels get high, right? Like Kylie knows all about this in bodybuilding. And we're not even putting you through a bodybuilding diet, right? Like this is just a normal lifestyle cut, but hey, hunger still gets high. And that still speaks, I mean, that speaks to exactly what we've spent countless hours talking about here from my personal anecdote of, you know, why I spent so much time not going back into a deficit. This, this number three point was not in a good place for me for quite a while after competing. So, you know, even if my body was ready with all these other markers at some point, if my brain wasn't. And so I knew that that wasn't going to be a successful fat loss phase for me. Exactly. Exactly. Your, your mindset has to be there. And I mean, again, like we've had countless podcast episodes on this as well and improving our relationship with food, um, specifically our, you know, a disordered eating episode as well, which did really well last year. I think a lot of people got a lot of um, insight out of that. So if that's something that you struggle with before going into a diet, go back and listen to that episode and just kind of like think a little bit more about like what you want your relationship with food to look like before you start cutting calories away. Um, Super important. And then of course, We have got to nail the foundations. If you are not actually nailing your foundationable, foundationable, yeah, foundational items before we go into a calorie deficit, it's going to be really hard for you to get results and to be able to keep consistency with everything across the board. Because again, like these are the items, these are the daily action items that are actually going to help you achieve those results. Like these are the, this is the boring work that most people don't want to put in, but actually makes the most difference in your fat loss phase and your health and fitness journey. Right. So like sleeping a minimum of six hours, like I would say 
I definitely used to be that kind of person who's like, oh, you should be getting at least like seven or eight hours. But honestly, like, I get it. Like, it's not realistic sometimes for people. Like, people got shit to do. People are moms. Like, that's, you know, most moms aren't even getting, uh, new moms aren't even getting a minimum of six hours. But like, realistically, a minimum of six hours is normally my cutoff where I'm like, okay, if we are getting six hours of restful sleep, then, you know, this can be successful for a fat loss phase. Yeah. I think that's so huge. Yes. Drinking enough water. So drinking half our body weight in ounces of water is so, so huge. And also our protein intake, right? So like, and we'll talk a little bit more about specifics for protein, but like, are we consuming, you know, at least like 25 to 30 grams or 20 to 30 grams of protein with each meal and also diet quality, like fruits and veggies, like the amount of people where it's like, it is so difficult for them to get in three cups of vegetables a day. And I get it. It's hard to do whenever you haven't been doing it. You know, mm-hmm. like I know Kylie, you're somebody who comes from a background of like, you did not eat them growing up. So it's oh, like yeah. with this, like with me, even right now wanting to just like, you know, tighten things up and work on that. That's like one of the places I'm definitely having a gap right now. It's just with the nature of like a lot of my meals, even if they're not like fast foodie I'm picking a lot of things that are like the quickest to cook and stuff and like a lot of times it's just like that's not it and there are definitely we've also went on long advice rants about ways you can get veggies in in a quicker way but it's just it does take more intentional effort and it does, it's something it that tends to slip through the cracks which it has for me admittedly so yeah um, that's somewhere I'll be starting and where these things we all we just listed are where everyone should start my roommate and I were just having this discussion with um about her as a coach like being like you know there's so many people that come in with even like advanced hormonal issues and things like that or clients that you take on where it's like, okay, yeah, we want to address all these things, but like, it's pointless to send someone into an advanced protocol if they're not getting these basics first. Like everyone has to start here. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, diet quality does make a huge difference in also like how our body is going to look because it absolutely does make a difference in things like blood sugar levels, inflammation, like Mm-hmm. All of these different sort of things that, you know, again, like even getting in like different micronutrients and stuff that help to support thyroid, those are going to be huge, huge pieces of the puzzle here. You know, nailing these foundational items is going to be so, 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 so key. Um, and also making sure that we are managing our stress. Of course, that is a huge one. So again, the sleep, the water, protein, veggies, stress, all going to be absolutely huge. And also, what does our exercise routine look like? Are we strength training at least three times per week and really focusing in on a progressive overload plan? And are we utilizing this as our main method of progress? And now again, we have talked endlessly on here about how no, strength training is absolutely not the only form of exercise that you have to do. But I'm going to be honest with you, when you have fat loss goals, when you have weight loss goals, and when you have body recomposition goals, strength training does need to be your primary method of exercise because it's going to get you the most efficient results. We shouldn't be focusing only on cardio to lose that weight because our body adapts to cardio very easily, meaning that if you're getting results with a specific level of cardio, you're going to have to keep increasing that amount of cardio you're doing to keep seeing those results. And again, that can create a lot more stress on the body. Again, like cardio is a wonderful, wonderful tool and everyone should be doing cardio 100%. But we do need to focus on progressive overload strength training as our primary method whenever we're really focusing in on those fat loss and weight loss goals. And your cardio can look like just a regular walk 
Right. Right. It can look like steps. It doesn't like on, if I'm being honest with you, most of my clients start out their fat loss phase with no cardio other than mm-hmm. steps. Now do their yeah. steps get high? Yeah. Like right. even for me, whenever I lost 30 pounds last year, my steps were up to like 13 to 14,000 per day, but that was my only cardio. Yeah. It was, it was. But, and that but was it doesn't, it. I think so many people think cardio has to look like, like killing yourself on a Stairmaster or an elliptical or like sprinting on a treadmill. And it, it just, it doesn't like those things can definitely be tools depending on what your goals are and where you're at in your fat loss phase. But yep. if that's like, you know, and for some people, they would rather do that for 40 minutes than get 13,000 steps in the, in their daily routine, right, might not which is fine. That. That's what we look at too, obviously as coaches is like, is that unreal? Like for some people it is unrealistic. Like to get 14,000 steps, right? Like it just is based on whatever your particular job and things oh, is. Oh, trust me. So I was walking for hours a day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And like, not everyone has that schedule freedom. We've always addressed that. So it's like, yep. but that's also why if you're not working with someone, you have to be realistic with yourself. And that's like what we kind of tune into and are like, okay, if this client is realistically with the most genuine effort getting eight to 10,000 steps, then maybe that's where we put in this like X amount of cardio on a machine each day or certain days, like those things like that. So again, it's always remembering that as always, everything is context driven. So absolutely, absolutely for sure. And, you know, after we've done all of that, we've kind of like set the stage for our fat loss phase. (laughs) We want to start out by setting a rough timeline for ourselves. And the thing is, is that it's hard to put an exact, like, I think a lot of times people are grasping for like this exact timeline of, okay, when am I going to lose five pounds? When am I going to lose 10 pounds? It's really, really hard to put that into place because life happens. Our bot, like we are humans, our bodies change, like things, a few weeks weight loss might be quicker. A few weeks weight loss might be slower. Again, it's really hard to put an exact timeline in place, but we want a rough timeline of when we should probably stop dieting. I would say usually like no longer than like eight to nine months, depending on how consistent you are and how deep in a deficit you are, everything of that sort. Again, this is the beauty of working with a coach to be able to assess biofeedback and be able to tell you, okay, we probably need to pull out of a dieting phase here, you know, take a diet break, whatever it may be, go back into a dieting phase in a few months, whatever it is. And I think it's also very, very important to note that it is okay if your fat loss or weight loss goals take you more than one round of dieting. Most likely, they are going to take you more than one round of dieting and one fat loss phase, especially mm-hmm. if you have a big weight loss goal, like you know, 30, 40 plus pounds. I would say 30 pounds is definitely pretty realistic within one foul swoop, but again, not always for some people. Also, depending on what their lifestyle looks like, how consistent they've been, like It genuinely all depends on the person, but I will say that like for probably 99% of people, they're going to need more than one round of dieting. And I don't think, I think that's where people do not understand and do not grasp this. And our reverse dieting podcast would probably be a really great um, resource for this because we talked all about, you know, understanding how to like get out of that dieting phase and, and increase calories back up without gaining all of the weight back. I also think, didn't we do an episode on like reverse dieting versus like yo-yo dieting? I'm almost positive we did. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a great episode too. Cause a lot of people don't understand like what I'm not at my goal. So I'm just going to pull out of a diet and start increasing calories again. Like that doesn't make any sense, but it does in the sense of we are doing this in a strategic way. And even if we do fluctuate up a little bit again in that reverse diet, 
after that first dieting phase, you're still in a much better place. And you're still, you know, like say that you drop 30 pounds in your first dieting phase, you pull out of it, you go into a maintenance phase for a year and you gain like six to seven pounds of that back. Okay. Then the next time around we shave off more, we take a few little steps upward again. And then the next round we shave off more. It's literally just a cycle. I think that's, um, I think that's why, you know, we started out this podcast saying that we want to figure out or want to help you drop 30 pounds this year, not this month, you know, not this by this spring, like, you know what I mean? This is not, this isn't, I think a lot of people get discouraged by that. And it's like, okay, well, my fat loss goal was 20, 30 pounds, whatever. And in one dieting phase, you might lose 15. And then they're disappointed when that's a huge, huge step forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even for me, like it took me 10 months to drop 28 pounds, you know, and most people want to drop 28 pounds in three months. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, being realistic with yourself is going to be so huge. So setting out a realistic time frame is going to be huge. And then from there, sorry, if I'm sniffly guys, I've been, I've been fighting a cold all week, baby. We all, we all have been, um, from there, from that maintenance level, I usually suggest shaving off, starting out by shaving off around 200 to 400 calories of your current intake to start to get you into that deficit and that fat loss phase, depending on where your current maintenance calories are at. Now, again, this is going to be completely dependent on person to person. This is just a rough outline. This is just general guidelines. Mm -hmm. But this 200 to 400 calories, this can normally be done by adjusting carbs and fats because when we are in a calorie deficit, we do normally want to keep protein high as high as possible. So usually anywhere from around 0.6 to 1 gram per pound of body weight, depending on, you know, if you are a bit more overweight and obese, you're probably going to want to eat closer to the 0.6. If you are a bit leaner, you're probably going to want to eat closer to the 1 gram per pound of body weight mark. Um, But normally we are adjusting calories. If, you know, if you are just tracking calories, totally fine. If you're tracking macros, you can adjust by usually lowering carbs by anywhere from like 25 to 50 grams at first, and then fats anywhere from 10 to 20 grams. And again, we do usually like to go with the minimal effective dose method, meaning that if if we don't have to cut off like 500, 600 calories, we're not going to, right? Like if we can start losing weight by only shaving off 300 calories, we're going to do that, right? Why put the body into a more like stressed out state and, you know, into a lower calorie state if we don't need to. But I will also say that my opinion has also changed a little bit on that as well, because I do believe, and I have ran into some client cases where there is a there is a a beneficial time to go a little bit like harder and faster rather than having like a longer, more drawn out deficit where we go a little bit more mild. At times, it might be a little bit more helpful to do like a four to five month deficit and create a bigger calorie gap. But again, this is going to be really dependent on the person, um, kind of on like, you know, what we are dealing with, if we really need to get a lot of body fat off and where Mm -hmm. overall internal health is at. So again, this is where it's really important and helpful to have a coach guiding you in those things for sure. Um, and something else like outside of obviously like the first calorie adjustments and protein and everything of that sort is giving yourself one untracked meal per week. This is so important. This is not a cheat meal. You guys know that we are not about cheat meals here. 
Now, never be a cheat meal. We are never cheating. We are simply eating and you are not, I I, I love that phrase. And you are not cheating when you are simply enjoying a meal that you want to enjoy with loved ones or that you want to indulge in yourself or whatever it may be. Again, like we've definitely talked about cheat meals on here before, but that mentality can really put you in a spiral and a rabbit hole of like an all or nothing mentality. And a lot of times whenever people kind of tell themselves, oh, I'm cheating, it's, it turns into an entire cheat day. Well, it's like when, in what context is cheat a positive word? None. So none, literally none. The great Eminem once said, this is not a game. Life is no, this is not, yeah, this is not a game. Life is no Nintendo game. Something like that. He says life is no Nintendo game. I think it's life is no Nintendo. Maybe. He says life is no Nintendo game, but I forget what before that. It's like, this is not a. I need to call up Kevin. He's downstairs. He's the But the point is your eating is not a game. No, it's not a game. So this, yes, this your body, is your life, your fuel. So we don't cheat that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that untracked meal is simply just a way for you to be able to step away from my fitness pal, say that you're going out to a dinner with friends or significant other family, whatever it may be. And you know that that dinner is not going to fit into your macros or calories. And you really want to enjoy that dinner, be present with people take that as your untracked meal. Like still try to have a source of protein, still drink your water throughout the rest of your day, still set yourself up for success by like still following your normal breakfast and lunch or whatever it may be. But again, utilize at least one untracked meal per week. I mean, I don't don't want to say at least because like you don't want to be taking a ton of untracked meals every Mm -hmm. week and getting yourself off track. But also we do know that there are going to be some weeks or days where you're on vacation or whatever it may be. And you're going to have yeah. more than one untracked meal, you know? Well, I think changing that verbiage to like, to that point removes the idea that it has to be like a free for all. Exactly. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that is huge. And the other thing here is obviously cardio. So mm-hmm. start we by, I would, yeah, like I would personally start by increasing your step goal. So I would probably start with increasing your step goal. Say that you're getting eight to nine K steps. Maybe you increase up to like 10 to 11 K. If your steps are already pretty high, you can definitely add on some, you know, formal cardio, whether it be, you know, two or three sessions of 15 minutes on the elliptical or Stairmaster or whatever it may be. But I would probably start out with manipulating steps first. That way we can keep stress low and then add on cardio when and if we hit a plateau. Yeah, I was about to say, this is another reason why early in the list, assessing where your stress is at is so important. Because if you're already at, you know, again, maybe you're one of those nurses or a teacher or something, and your steps are already at like 12, 13,000, maybe we don't want to do any cardio. We just want to manipulate food because of where your body is at, or you know what I mean? So just really checking in with like your body's stress response. And that can be, I do, I do think that can be really difficult to do without like an objective third party. So that is where a coach can come into use, but just trying to be self-aware about what that load looks like, right? Like perceived stress. Yep. 100%. I totally agree with that. And honestly, like even, even looking at myself, like last year, whenever I was losing all of my weight, you know, a really big thing for Austin and I was that we had to keep stress really low because again, like we were working with like an irregular period and everything of that sort and making sure that I didn't lose it again, which again, ultimately I talked to you guys about, I did, I have since gotten it back. But again, like keeping that stress low is, is such a huge component of all of this. So also weighing yourself. So weighing yourself multiple times per week so that you do not miss fluctuations. So recording 
your average weight per week is going to be so important. Do not only weigh yourself one time per week. I would aim to weigh yourself at least three times per week so that you're not missing new lows and that you are able to look at the trends and averages over time. And we have to remember that the average weights and the overall like new low average weights are a lot more important than the day-to-day fluctuations because you're not going to hit a new low weight every single day in a calorie deficit. That is something that y'all need to understand. And if that's where weighing multiple times tends to steer people wrong is because they panic then when it shoots up three pounds, but they've been doing everything right. Like your weight fluctuating anywhere from like two to five pounds throughout the week is not that unusual. Like as you get more consistent, it probably shouldn't shift that much more than like three here or there, but like it happens. Like it just, especially if you, like, if you happen to go have that untracked meal and then you weigh yourself the next day, it's probably going to be higher, especially if you like ate it out. Like, so I think that this can be really healthy to help you understand the scale, but you have to go into it with that understanding of how the data works, because this is where it's such a fickle thing where people get, it either can be the thing that helps them have a better relationship with the scale, or it can be the thing that causes the spiral. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And that's where I think too, having a neutral relationship with the scale before going into a calorie deficit is Mm -hmm. very important. Um, But remember to look at trends over time. Also remember that a normal rate of weight loss is 0.5 to 1.5 pounds per week. It is not four pounds a week. It's not five pounds a week. It's 0.5 to 1.5, maybe up to two if you are somebody who is more on that overweight, obese side. So again, remembering that. Also, Take measurements, take weekly progress photos wearing the same outfit. So something like a sports bra on undies or a sports bra on short shorts, whatever it may be, in the same spot with the same lighting. This is going to be so key to noticing the differences in your body composition, definition, all of that kind of stuff. Do not solely rely on the scale. Take measurements, take progress photos, look at how your clothes are fitting. All of these are really, really important keys to making that progress and seeing how progress is going. Um, And, you know, one of the biggest things here that I think trips most people up is what happens when you hit a plateau and what do you do whenever progress stops? So I'm going to run through a list of questions that I want you guys to ask yourself if it, to assess if it has truly been a plateau. So has it been at least three to four weeks with absolutely zero changes of any kind? So scale, pictures, measurements, there are no changes there. Because again, we have to remember that the body needs some time to adjust. Like the metabolism has to take some time to adapt and adjust. And sometimes we will not see those changes right away. And that is okay. It's going to take us a few weeks. Are we tracking our calories and macros, which obviously we should be? Um, And how consistent have you been? Like, have you legitimately been hitting your goals within plus or minus 10 grams or six out of seven days, seven out of seven days each week? Are you taking extra bites and licks of things and not tracking them that could be adding up? Like, is there anything in your routine that could be adding on more calories? And have you been super honest about how you are actually tracking and what you are tracking? Also, what does your training program look like? You know, again, like these are all things that we've already set up for you. So like you should be following a progressive training program. You should be training with intensity, all of those sorts of things. Are you managing stress and sleep well? Are you drinking enough water? So basically going back and asking yourself, have I truly not made any changes? And also, how actually ruthlessly consistent have I been? And also, do I have all of my foundations in check? So 
Basically, if, everything we spent the first half of this podcast talking about, you're doing yes. a checklist of are you actually doing those things and how consistently are you doing them? 100%. That's a great way to put it. And so if all variables are in check, there are a few things that we can do. So first, we can consider decreasing our calories to create more of a calorie deficit. So a lot of times, like whenever we're making that next calorie adjustment, we might bump down by like 200 to 300 calories or even like 150 to 300 or we might pull back on, if we're tracking macros, carbs and fats. So we could lower anywhere from like 20 to 30 grams of carbs, maybe five to 10 grams of fats, maybe like three to 10 grams if you're getting really stingy with fats, which y'all know that we are stingy with our fats in a deficit. Um, so that's the first thing that we can do. Consider, the next thing that we can do is consider increasing our energy output. So AKA either adding on more steps or adding in some programmed cardio on top of our step goal if we have not done that already. So that is something else to consider. And then the next thing to consider, depending on how long we have been dieting and what our biofeedback is like, is do we need a diet break or a refeed? And again, like these are going to be programmed in strategically by looking at biofeedback. And I would say it's pretty hard to know when to take a diet break or refeed if you are somebody who does not have experience with these things. So again, we go back to the plug of like working with a coach is really helpful in this situation. Um, but we also need to make sure that we're looking at overall biofeedback. So if you are at a point where like you've been dieting for a pretty I would probably say like as a general recommendation, I would probably take a refeed at least every like, uh, like six to seven weeks in your dieting phase. I feel like that's a pretty safe amount of time. So I'm going to break down like what the differences between a refeed and a diet break are. So basically a refeed is basically, this is something that is a shorter amount of time. It can be used and more needed in individuals who are a bit leaner. So like if we have more fat to lose, we probably have a less metabolic adaptation. We don't need a refeed as often or as much, but a refeed is normally anywhere from 48 to 72 hours. So two to three days, we bring food back up to maintenance. And usually we are focusing on increasing carbohydrates during this time. We're normally focusing on increasing them around 50 to hundred percent. So this is a pretty drastic increase mm -hmm. in our carbohydrate intake. Um, and a refeed is more so going to be helpful. Um, I, I would say like less on the metabolic adaptation side. I would say that a diet break is, is going to be a little bit more helpful on the metabolic adaptation side, but a refeed can be really helpful just in terms of like a break overall, mental reprieve, um, mm -hmm. and just really kind of giving yourself a little bit less stress on the body yeah. overall. Um, so I would say like, you know, that refeed can be really, really important. And again, like you could also approach your diet as a carb cycle approach. I personally love carb cycles. I, I enjoy a carb cycle in my own dieting phases. I do a lot of carb cycles with my clients as well, especially for a dieting phase. I really like a five, two carb cycle. So basically we are having a bit lower carbs, um, like for five days of the week and then higher carbs for two days of the week. Mm -hmm. So this is really helpful for clients who like, like to have a little bit more carbohydrates on the weekends, um, like to utilize those carbohydrates a little bit more toward meals out or whatever it may be. I find that that gives them a little bit of a mental reprieve and it gives them something to like look forward to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
that's super important. And then a diet break is going to be a little bit longer. So this is usually going to be probably anywhere from like four to seven days plus. And again, we are bringing the calories back up to maintenance. We're following that same carb increase, but we can also adjust fats here as needed. Um, and this can really, this can, and you know, I, I will say like may help us to upregulate hormones a bit that are going to impact our metabolism. So things like thyroid, leptin, um, and it might also help to lower overall cortisol, cortisol levels as well, um, because we do know that increased carbohydrates can help to calm those cortisol levels. Um, it can also help with our training recovery, our biofeedback, and can be really useful during things like vacations, time between holidays, all of that kind of stuff, which we've talked to you guys about taking diet breaks throughout the holidays as well. Um, and something else that we can do here to kind of like emulate this is that the word I want to use? I mean, imitate, imitate. That's what I want to use. <laughs> imitate this diet break kind of style is using a matador approach. So you could do something like two weeks of lower calories and then one week of higher calories or two weeks of lower calories, two weeks of higher calories and kind of rotate that so that you can improve metabolic adaptation a bit more. Um, so that could definitely be an approach as well. But again, like we need to make sure that we are assessing biofeedback. Like you guys, if your hunger is through the absolute roof, if you are feeling fatigued, if you are seeing, you know, a lot of issues with menstrual cycle, losing your mm -hmm. menstrual cycle on top of, you know, having maybe really elevated like fasting blood glucose, resting heart rate, we're not recovering well, we're losing focus, we're having tons of cravings, you know, sex drive is, is so, so low. These are all signs that either we need a refeed, a diet break, or we may need to pull out of the calorie deficit depending on how long we've been dieting, right? Yeah. So again, if you've hit a plateau, those are some things to take into consideration. We can decrease calories. We can increase cardio. We can utilize a diet break or refeed. And, you know, we can, again, through all of this, stay as consistent as possible. Like consistency is literally the key to losing the weight. I... I think that there is a notion that like weight loss should be easy. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. It's fucking not like it actually is not that easy to stay as consistent and do the boring work that you need to and be as patient as you need to, to lose the weight in an actual sustainable way where you're playing the long game, you know? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, look how many things we just went through, like, and that's yeah. so many people bail out on something not working because of like one factor like it'll just be like oh well I cut my calories and nothing happened and then they give up right so it's like we went through a lot of stuff and that's not to overwhelm you a lot of it is very basic things but it tends to be the things that people fall off on are the most basic things so having to be consistent across the board and be honest with yourself about how consistent you're actually being and what that looks like and then also keeping that in check with your expectations, right? Something Kara and I've said on this podcast a lot is make sure your actions align with those expectations. So yeah. if you're somebody who like your life is riding at 80%, that's a pretty successful client, um, especially for just like lifestyle goals. If we're not talking like deep hormonal issues and things like that, for but sure. also then being realistic that you're not going to reach that goal as fast as somebody who's maybe at a 95. Yes. Like, so, yes. and that's okay. If that's like what works for you to, because we're always looking at like, what is going to get you success for the long term. So if you're like more content with your life, your relationship with food is better and things like that. And you're able to stick with something longer by giving yourself that 15 or 20% flexibility, then that might be what works for you. But then you can't be the same person that's frustrated that you didn't drop 30 pounds in 
three months, four months, five months, right? Like that might take you the whole year, but your quality of life might be better. Like that's fine, but it's having to be realistic with those goals. Like everything we just gave you a blueprint to is like under the condition that we're expecting most of those clients to be in that 90 to hundred percent consistency range for that to be a successful fat loss phase at the rate that we would anticipate. Right. And even putting that into perspective, it's like, I spent 10 months being insanely consistent, Uh like 99% 99% consistent, it still took me 10 months to lose 28 pounds. Because that's something else that I think does, like at the end of the day, um, for lack of better words, sucks, is some of it is just going to be individual as well. Yeah. Um, and, and some of that has to do with your own history, your own things you've had going on, all of that. Yeah. But like, it's not always just genetics, but for some people it is just like, Kara and I have talked about this over and over again. We're with you. Like I am someone that it's like, if I am not like, fucking on it like my it's slow or not at all for me literally that's unfortunate because there are going to be people in your life or that you see and things like that that maybe they're able to have quite a bit my my roommate and I are a great example of this they can have much more flexibility and again she has all the basics down but it's like she can follow things a little bit more loosely or like have a few more drinks and stuff like that than I can without it affecting her progress as much as that will for me like Mm -hmm. it's just is what it is. And there are a million different things that could be a reason for, but at the end of the day, it's not like, it doesn't really do you much service to dive into the why or why is this not how it works for me and just accept that it is like that. And that's what you have to do. I love that. Just truly just accept it and accept what you have to do. Because like you said, your history is also going to make a difference. Like Mm -hmm. if you've been through a couple of dieting phases already it is going to be a little bit harder as you continue to go. Like it does get a little bit harder and harder as you go to get the body composition that you want. That's why you have to continue to be more and more consistent as time goes on. That's why we always talk about like newbie gains and like newbie progress. Like people who start out from like doing absolutely nothing and they just start making these changes and they see this super easy weight loss, it's not always going to be that easy, right? So again, just keeping all these things in mind and really like rinsing and repeat all of these steps, rinsing and repeating all of these steps until you get to the end goal. Like that is how you're going to drop 30 pounds this year. So Hopefully this gave you basically just a step-by-step guide of exactly what to do. And obviously y'all know that, you know, our doors are always open for any questions. FFLA is open. We do have spots on our roster with our coaches who absolutely are here to help you in any way that you can. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us if you have a big weight loss goal this year, for sure. Hey, you got anything else to add? I don't think so. I think that this was really in-depth, honestly, like probably – the best DIY information you can find. So do it yourself weight loss, baby. Um, But you know, it's like we always said, there are a lot of pros to not having to do it by yourself. Or if you get on this journey and you start following these directions and find yourself frustrated or that things aren't working, um, there's nothing wrong with like trying this out this way um, and then asking for help when it's not going the way you want it to go. So, um, you know, Kara's there for you guys as a coach, I'm, we're both here for you guys as far as like supporting questions and cheering you on. And that's Always. a wrap on that. That's a wrap on that you guys. So thank you so much for listening to another episode. We are so, so happy to be back and back in our groove. And as always, you guys, we would love if you left, uh, left us a five-star rating and review, go ahead and subscribe so that you do not miss any upcoming episodes. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know somebody who has 
big weight loss goals this year, whatever it may be, please share this with them. We appreciate it so much. Tag myself, Kylie, not your quick fix podcast. Share this on your stories. We will be back with y'all next week with an awesome guest. And we hope that y'all have a great rest of your week. We'll chat next time. Bye. Bye.